Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. The book of Revelation is one of those really interesting books where people either love it and read it and talk about it and tell you about it and why you should read it all the time and what is wrong with you. You absolutely need to read this book and don't you know what's coming? Or they're like, stay away. And so, you, you know, and, and I, I get it because there's some pretty fantastical things in there, but there's also a promise. And the promise is if you read the words aloud, if you hear the words and you keep the words, then there's a special blessing for you. So I thought, great, let's get blessed, everybody. And and let's do a study and let's look at, well, we're just going to look at part of it. And so what the book does, the, you know, of Revelation is it helps to make sense of the whole Bible. I've said this, I think, nearly every week, but there's over 800 references to the Old Testament. And it's in that book that we start to see all the pieces come together. Yeah. So there are things that we read and we think, gosh, what, God, why did you do that? But in this book, we go, oh, I, I start to see it. I, I understand it. And so... I said that there's some fantastical things in the book of Revelation, but at the beginning, there are seven letters sent to seven real churches. Jesus spoke, the apostle John wrote, and he wrote down everything that he heard and everything that he saw. And then they sent these letters to these churches so that they could be encouraged in one way, but also to be challenged. Also to, to help make some course corrections where the church was going wrong. Now, here's something that's fascinating. In the last 2000 years, not a lot has changed. Technology has, but people are still people. And amazingly, we're still dealing with a lot of the same issues. So when we deal with things in life, even in the church today, we don't have to wonder, hmm, what would Jesus say about this? We already know. And we know because we open the book and we read it. And if we are really smart, we'll make all the changes that Jesus said to make so we don't repeat the mistakes of the church of the past. You with me so far? All right. So we're going to do the last letter today. It's the church of Laodicea. Now, what's interesting is the arrangement of these letters in the book of Revelation. So not everybody agrees with this. Want to be transparent. But some people... Many scholars would say that there is this prophetic order in which the letters are written and not only do they speak to the church of their day, but they also speak to the age of the church over the last 2000 years. If those letters were listed in any other order, what I just said to you would not be true, but they happen to be listed in a very specific order. If that were true, what we have been doing for seven weeks is tracing not only the issues in the church at the time, but the history of the church each week. And we arrive at a point in letter seven where we're talking about the church of Laodicea and that would reflect on today's contemporary church. Who's excited? Yeah, I know. So you guys, you do realize that my job is not to just tell you what I want to tell you. Uh, it's to tell you what Jesus said to the church, right? Yeah. I just thought I'd asterisk that because there might be a few little things that sting 
in this message. I promise it'll be super encouraging next week. No, I'm, not, I'm only, I will encourage you today. I promise you, right? But there are some things that might, that might sting. So I'm going to read to you um, the book. But before I do, or the letter, before I do, let me tell you a little bit about the city. Uh, Laodicea comes from two words. Leo, meaning people, uh, and uh, Dicea means rulers or rulers. So it means the city that was really ruled by people. That phrase is meant to convey to us an understanding that they were self-sufficient. City was founded about 2000 BC and they were uh, an extremely wealthy city. It went through a number of different name changes but ended up being Laodicea. And the city itself was filled with um, bankers and merchants and gold refineries. So they were very, very wealthy, large, wealthy city. In 62 AD, they had a huge earthquake. Historically, what would happen is if there was an earthquake um, and you were under the Roman Empire, then you would go and say, we need our city to be rebuilt. Can we apply for some funds? We need a grant to rebuild our city. But this city, even though uh, it went through this horrific stage with the earthquake, they, didn't never, they never asked the Roman Empire for the money because they were so wealthy. They said, we'll do it ourselves. And that's what I mean. They're self-sufficient. We'll do it ourselves. And what's sort of, you know, the tone of the city is one of pride. Like we're self-sufficient. We're self-reliant. We don't need help from the outside. We can just do it on our own. Now, the city itself, the way it was positioned, it was hard to defend from a military perspective. So they would, uh, let's just say, strategically compromise with everyone around them so that they didn't have any drama. So they just, I don't know if you're a person that avoids drama. I am. I do not like drama. Don't ask me why I thought it'd be a good idea to be a pastor. Like, this is, I just really didn't think that through, right? I, I am drama adverse. I don't want it. I don't look for it. I avoid it where I can, right? But every now and then, you know, you, you're going to come across it. And, and guys, here's really the point. As the church, as followers of Jesus, we don't always get to avoid drama. This city, Laodicea, was actually what we would, you know, modern days, we'd call them, they were Switzerland, if you know what I mean. They're not disagreeing. They're like, we agree with you and you and you. And by the way, don't attack us. We'll look after you and, and we will prosper and, and we'll be fine. But guys, guess what? As Christian people, we don't get to do that. As Christian people, we don't get to be Switzerland. As Christian people, we've got to pick a line. We've got to choose a side and we need to stay with that side. So, so that's a little bit about the city. Uh, and, and in the middle of it is this church. So let me read out of Revelation 3 verse 14. It says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen. The word Amen actually means firm. It means true. Like this is a solid word. I, I think, you know, today we would just use it to, to, to you know, close prayer. You know, like it, it, everyone says Amen at the end of the prayer, right? Um, have you ever wondered why that's not always, they didn't do that in the Bible? Yeah, we do a lot of um, interesting things. It's not meant to be the last word in a prayer. You could just say, in Jesus' name. Amen. No. <laughs> don't, don't do it. See, this is a problem. You feel, I know, it's just natural, right? It just, it just wants to come out. And if nobody says, have you ever been in a, in, a, in a group prayer meeting where they say, in Jesus' name, and everyone's like, are we still going? 
going? <laughs> like, is this, is this still going? Like, well, no one said amen. Anyway, so, so we kind of use it to close prayer. But anyway, uh, it says, the words of the amen, amen, the faithful and true witness. That's Jesus's title. It says, the beginning of God's creation, right? So they're talking about Jesus, the beginning of God's creation. So if you weren't, you know, if you read this and, and you were trying to understand that, you're like, wait a minute, did God, God make Jesus like, so there was God and Jesus is just a human. Like, how does that work? No, 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 no. Because the scriptures say, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's right. Now, if you are new to church and you think, I have no idea what, <laughs> what did you just say, right? Let's replace the word, word with Jesus and see if it makes more sense, okay? In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And then it says later, and this is in the Gospel of John, verse 16, you can drop down. It says, and the word and Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So he was always the pre-existent God. Jesus came from heaven to earth. You with me so far? So what does this mean? It's about rank. He's ranked number one. And I think we'd all agree with that. Verse 15. He says, I know your works. Guess what, guys? You can't hide from Jesus. I know what you're up to. I know what you're doing. I know what you're not doing. He says, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. There's something about their lukewarmness as Christian people that makes Jesus want to vomit. Uh, verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful or pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you. When Jesus is correcting you by his counsel, it's because he loves you. That's why we have this letter. If he didn't love him, he would have just let him go. But this letter is born out of the love of God because he's hoping to reach these guys and help them and save them. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. What's the gold? What, what is that gold? You know, what's the gold? The gold is his words to us. The gold is his commandments, right? If you want real gold in life, don't look for something you can hang around your neck. Look for something you can keep in your heart. One of these things is going to last longer than the other. So you've got to keep that in your heart. And the scriptures say, interestingly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says that if you build out of silver or gold, whatever you're building your life out of, at the end of the day, it will be refined by fire. It'll be tested and we'll know whether what you have built with your life good, as pretty as it may be, whether it's legit, whether it lasts. Yikes. Here he goes on. So that, you may, so that you may be rich. That's interesting. I thought they were rich, but he says, so that you may be actually rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and see the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve, which is like a medical ointment for your eyes to anoint your eyes so that you may see evidently they were blind they couldn't even see that they had a problem those whom I love I reprove and discipline if God loves you he'll do that to you so be zealous and come on guys be zealous and 
Okay, so be zealous and repent. Verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, because Jesus is always down for a meal. He says, And he with me. The one who conquers and hears the promise, there's a promise in every single letter. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Man, where do we begin with this? There's not one positive comment in there to this church. It's a little indication of where this message could be going. Yeah, you know, like there's not one, not one positive thing is, is said to this church. It is really hard to help people when they are indifferent, isn't it? Yeah. It's the worst. It makes Jesus want to vomit. He's like, I, I live in a world where I think if we teach people what's wrong, they will intuitively want to do what's right. But that's not always the case as evidenced by my daughter's bedroom. Like I, I, I will get her and we'll bring her in and she has a floor drobe. So we bring her in and I'm looking at it. You can't see carpet. It's insane, right? And I say, um, sweetheart, look at this room, right? And she's like, I know, right? She knows. She's just okay with it. When people are okay with things that are not okay, how do you help them? You know, like, you know, the most difficult person to, to, to help is someone that doesn't want to learn, doesn't want to grow, someone that's unteachable. It's really hard to help people that, that know the, the evidence but refuse to see the problem. And, and so it's hard to help people that are indifferent about things. And we might say that's apathetic, right? That's apathy. But the Scriptures would have a different word. They would say that's apostasy. And Jesus says, you need to be zealous and repent. And they would say, of what? Like of what? Repent. From what? Like, don't you see the problems? No. This is what you're doing. Yeah. You don't think that that's an issue? Nah. You got to repent. What from what? There's no issue here. There's no problem here. In church, I talk about the word repent, which would mean what? I'm heading away from God, away from Jesus. And if I repent, it means that I turn around 180 degrees and now I'm working, walking towards Jesus, right? So that's, that's what repent means. What do we call it when we turn the other way and start to walk away from Jesus, away from His Word, away from His teaching? That's apostasy. That's what we call that. Turning towards repent, turning away apostasy. And there is an entire church that is evidently turning away from their Saviour and they're all taking their own counsel and they think this is fine. This is not an issue. This isn't a problem. The Laodiceans have an issue, a problem that I have seen in the church today and have met many people that struggle with this and they have enough religion to satisfy their conscience, but not enough to save their soul. 
just enough Jesus to feel like I'm connected, but not enough that it's changing my life. Right? You know, when people say, I don't really subscribe to this. I just see myself as more spiritual, right? What is that? I'll tell you what it is. I don't really want to obey what the Word says, but I do like the idea of being a little bit spiritual. I'm not prepared to fully turn off everything that's spiritual. There's something out there, but if I accept it as Jesus and His words, that requires me to make corrections with my life. Let's just be spiritual without Jesus and I can live however I want, right? Right? Hey, I mean, I've... I've met people like this. I know people like this. And if you were to ask the Laodiceans and say, hey guys, how are you doing? They'd be like, we're fine. We're fine. We're okay. Everything's fine. And you think, why are they so sure that everything is fine? And the answer is in the letter. What is it about their lives that makes them think we're okay don't, we don't need any help. We don't need to repent. We don't need to turn. We don't need to change. Here it is. Are you ready for it? They're rich. That's the problem. And they take their wealth as affirmation from God that they're moving in the right direction. Because if God loves you and you're doing the right things, surely He will make you rich. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, we, let, let, I don't know if it's really meant to work like that. Let's just play it out. You know, there are a bunch of people that are rich that I suggest you don't follow. Jeff Bezos is rich. Not sure how he's doing. Elon Musk is rich. And I did hear that he made a decision to follow Jesus recently. I don't know how that thing is going to play out. But there are rich people all over the planet. Do we really think that God is affirming all of their lives because they're rich? That he's totally okay with how they're going and what they're doing. Oh, I don't know. Guys, I would be a little bit careful about this. It's amazing how wealth becomes an insulator for need. I don't need a prayer life because I'm wealthy enough to solve my own problems. I'm Laodicean. I'm self-sufficient. I can solve it. I don't need help from the outside in. Just let me look after myself. It's amazing how many people don't cultivate a prayer life until something goes wrong and they're driven to their knees in a drastic situation and suddenly they're like they need something because guys, guess what? You'll eventually come across, across a problem that money can't solve. And if you don't Wait, believe me, wait till the end of your life, all right? So you, money's not going to solve that problem, right? You're not going to pay Jesus off to look the other way and get into heaven. It's not how it works. The church did try that a little while ago. We'd call that heresy. Not a good idea. I feel like I might be getting off track. All right, back to the message, everybody. It's interesting that Smyrna, the Smyrnians, they were poor and Jesus said, you're rich. And here come the Laodiceans and they say, we're rich. And He says, but you're poor. What's He talking about? Spiritually, yeah, but you cheated because you're in the first service. <laughs> Spiritually, and you know what? They're clueless. They, they, the, the problem that they don't see it is because they're also spiritually blind. And when someone's spiritually blind and, and they think that they're spiritually awake or alive, it's really hard to help them because they've got just enough to be in the middle, just enough Jesus, just enough religion in their life to think that they're connected, but there's, there's actually no connection there. Uh, guys, listen, if you feel like I'm, I'm judging, I'm not because, you know, this, this is me. This is, you know, 
I'm from the school of Laodicea. When I gave my life to Jesus, rededicated my life when I was 21 years old, I spent the first 12 months with a foot in both camps, you know? And, And honestly, that's a bad place to be because, you know, African proverb, man who walks in two directions shall split his pants. Okay, so, so, so you know, you guys, 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 listen, you can't, you, you can't have your foot in both camps, right? You've got to be either cold or hot, one or the other. You try to do two things at the same time, you end up lukewarm and it makes Jesus want to vomit. Listen, I actually did try this. I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm in church on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I'll live however I want. And this is, this is crazy isn't it? Imagine people that actually, that actually believe that God's real. Like, you know, like probably all of you, right? Hopefully there's some of you here that, that don't believe because we need that too, right? But imagine if you, you actually believe that God is real, He's true, and then you live like that's not true. Like this, that's, that's, that's nuts, How does, if you believe that this is true, tell me this, how does this not totally absorb you? If you actually believe this message, the Scriptures, if you've actually given your life to Jesus, how do you not have this take over your entire life? I I don't know. It, It doesn't make sense. Because if it's real, it sort of begs us to be a little more interested than we are. Israel had major issues, just like this church in Laodicea. Evidently, people have always struggled with this. There's this great story in the Bible. I'm not going to go into it, but Elijah, you know, God performs this amazing miracle. And here's what Elijah says to the people. It says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. If Baal, then follow Him. Listen, just live in alignment with what you believe. If God is real, then you need to live like you believe it. Guys, we can't be Switzerland. We don't get to be lukewarm, middle of the road, enough to satisfy the conscience, not enough to save. Listen, we can't be Switzerland. We are meant to be on fire. We want to see the world redeemed for the kingdom of God, yeah? That begins with fire inside the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about you and me and Christian people everywhere. It's got to start in here first and then it breaks out everywhere. You're meant to be on fire. But let me ask you a question. How many Christian people do you know right now that actually believe this message and are not going to church? Serious. So many. We know so many, don't we guys? We know so many people that actually believe this and are living like it's not true. And it's crazy. And you think, are those, are those people, right, as they exited however they did, any church, you know, are they still passionate, on fire for God, making disciples, using their spiritual gifts and building the kingdom of God? No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Right? That's what they said they were going to do. When they, when they were on the way out, oh, I'm just going to have my own relationship with God, right? But yeah, yeah, but it's, it's not happening now, is it? Don't worry about a month, 
Talk to me in five years. You, 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 you isolate yourself as a Christian for five years. Let me know how it's going. You know, like that, there's a reason why when, when Paul is talking about the body of Christ, he talks about Christ as the head. And then he says, because naturally all of us go, we understand the head's connected to the body. And he talks about all the little individual pieces, but they're all still connected. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Like cut off a limb and see how it goes without being connected to the body. Like guys, don't do that. But you know, metaphorically right if you see somebody that cuts their limb off and they say nah they set, look let's just set my hand free cut it off we'll put it over there it's gonna you know, it, it's not gonna last and, and yet we know this if, if you know people if you know people who believe this message and are not connected into a local church which is by the way god's plan for their life right you should call them when you get home and say, are you nuts? What are you doing? You've been mucking around for years now, right? It's time to cross the line. It's time to stop playing and mucking around and be the people of God and actually cross the line and start to build the kingdom, right? You should call them, you, you know, because that might actually help them and, and correct and get them connected into a local church somewhere, somewhere right? Guys, look, we know that the church isn't perfect, right? But aren't, we're, we're working at making it better. And every like, if if the reason that we join the church or, or the the church that you're looking for is the perfect church, you'll be searching on your own and isolated for the rest of your life. Nothing's perfect. We're being sanctified. We're being created into the image of perfection. Don't look for the perfect church, but work to make the one that you're in as amazing as you can be, and see what actually happens. You know, Do you know that the the committed Christian attends church on average one out of four weeks. One out of four, guys. One out of four. Like, obviously, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the church. Like, I'm not talking to, you know, bright church, but the, the stats are out. Like, the committed Christian is like one in four. And do you know what our, what our competition is? Don't confuse our, our competition with our opposition, you know. Because we know what our opposition is. It's, you know, these, these guys and, you know, fill in the blank. Um, do, you know, do you know what our competition is? Oh, you know, nightclubs. And no, it's not, not nightclubs. They don't even run at the same time as church, you know. They're not, they're not, they're not somewhere having a rave right now. Well, actually, they probably are. But anyway, because <laughs> those things really do go on. But, right, but it, it, guys, listen, it's not nightclubs. They're, they're, they're not the problem. Do you, do you know what, do you know what the... Ch the, the, the big challenge that the, the church faces, you know what the, our, our competition is, honestly? Sunny days. <laughs> yep. Be, like beautiful, sunny, warm days. When the Christian gets up and goes, oh, you know what, I really feel from the Lord that we should just have a family day. And guys, you know what? And, and the Lord is everywhere. And, and, and so, you know what? Let's, wherever his people are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. So like, let's just gather at the beach. You know, just our family. Like, you, know, it's, you know, that's our competition. Beautiful days. Trust me, when you're the pastor of a church, there's a couple of days that we hate. Beautiful days and rainy, way, rainy ones, right? Because that's, that's the other big competition. People wake up in the morning, see that the rain is sideways. And think, oh, great, here we go. Like, I know what's going to happen, you know. Cold days, yep, hate them too. You know, they're really tough, right? Because I, I've got an alarm clock. On the alarm clock, it's got um, the temperature for the day, right? So I roll out of bed and it's like two degrees. You know what? I feel like the Lord is telling us just to stay home and have a family 
day and let's, you know, let's make some pancakes and, you know, whatever. Right? And, and that's our competition, guys. And, and, and it's, 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 it's the weather. Do you know what we really need for revival? Do you know what we really need? We need a series of days around the 17 degree mark, right? So, so, so we, we come to life in, um, in autumn. I'd say spring, but then you've got hay fever, you know, it's a bit of a problem. So, so like the, where the church really comes to life around autumn, right? About that 17 degree mark, too cold to go to the beach, but warm enough to get you out of bed. So let's just say, let's just say here we are, we're in church a couple of months a year, right? We're going to, but guys, don't forget, we're changing the world, okay? We're going to take the world revival, four months a year. So, so four months a year, right, when the weather's not doing its thing, right, we are committed, right? But then, you know, you got birthdays and it's like, you know, that's a celebration. So can't go to church on your birthday, right? Oh, and also, look, honestly, there are a few sick days in there too. So we'll pull out the sick days, get rid of them. Well, we've probably lost a month already here, depending on the size of your family, right? So so, so, what, what have we got left? Um, maybe, maybe three months, right? But then there are uh, other events on. So let's just say this, right? We are the church. We're committed. We want revival. And guys, honestly, for two months a year, we are in. We are in. I mean, we're going to, guys, we're, oh, we will change the world. Sometime next year um, in, in that autumn period, you know, where the weather's doing its thing. You think I'm joking? I'm not, guys. This is real. Do you know what our competition is? Kids sport on Sunday morning. Yep. So if you, by the way, if your kids do sport on Sunday morning, um, you know, not, not saying you've got problems, you know, or anything like that. But one of the reasons why we run a 6 p.m. service is so if you're, if you're busy in the morning, you can come along at night. By the way, our 6 p.m. services are going off. If you haven't been to one, you're missing out, right? But, but we have a 6 p.m. service so that you can come along. But if, imagine this, right? You're a committed Christian, but your son takes up footy. We'll see you in six months. Really? And of course, like, like I, I think about this and I go, man, there's, 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 kind of a, there's kind of a problem. There's a problem with this, isn't there? And one of, the, one of the problems, really, is that we are teaching our kids something the whole, the whole time we're doing this, you know? Because you you, of course you guys understand, um, you know, more is caught than taught, yeah? Like if I've got the measles, my kids aren't getting mumps, right? Like they'll do what you do, so you do what you want them to do. When you, when you raise kids, right, you're not, you won't necessarily reproduce what you want, but you reproduce who you are, okay? So, so if we want our kids, and think about it, guys, let's be honest. If you've got kids and you, or you plan on having kids, you'll know that the future that they're going to be living in is going to be more difficult than the one that we're in right now, yeah? And how are we setting them up to win? I mean, gosh, if we're one in four, how are we setting them up to win? It's, it's not just that. It's more than that, guys, right? We need to actually teach them the Word of God so they understand what it is, you know? So Sarah, Sarah actually sent this to me last night, and uh, it, was, it was a post on Facebook where these people went out and they actually asked kids what they believe uh, uh, about the Bible, right? What do you know about the stories in the Bible? What kids, kids, what have you learned, right? I'll just, I'll just read out. I'm just going to read out their answers, okay? You ready for this? Hold on to your hat. The first book of the Bible is the book of Guinness. <laughs> Who knew? The book of Guinness. And uh, in it, you will also read that God got tired of creating the world, so he took the Sabbath off. All right, that's interesting. 
Adam and Eve were created from an apple tree. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Um, Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. I wasn't sure whether to read this next one, but we're live, so let's do it. Um, The Jews were a proud people, and throughout history, they had trouble with unsympathetic genitals. That's... I hope they mean Gentiles. It's good to know the difference. (laughs) Moses led the Jews to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread without any ingredients. That's amazing. The Egyptians all drowned in the desert. Afterwards, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments. I don't know how he came back down. Moses died before he ever reached Canada. (laughs) And then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jericho. Try to find that one. Um, David was a Hebrew king who was skilled at playing the liar. Not entirely untrue. Um, He fought the Finkelsteins. (laughs) A race of people who lived in biblical times. Here's, Here's my final one, right? (laughs) this is probably my favorite Solomon one of David's sons had 300 wives and 700 porcupines (laughs) what do you do do with 700 porcupines you'd think that even one of them would go that doesn't sound right (laughs) I don't know what you're going to do with it What's, what's my point guys they need help they really do because they, see, see this, this is enough exposure to think they know what it's about. How many Christians have you meet, met that are just like that? Well, they sort of know enough, you know, to sort of know a little bit to, to have a bit of a conversation, but not enough to actually have it change their life. I, I, I mean, honestly, do you know what, what we are called to do? Like we're, we're actually called to not be lukewarm, middle of the road, agreeable with everyone. We're actually meant to be on fire. There's meant to be some passion. There's meant to be some, some desire and they're meant to see it. We are meant to be building and extending the kingdom of God. And you know what, guys? Honestly, I get it because, you know, look, if Satan's going to attack, he'll attack on Sunday morning, you know, particularly families. And if you've got kids, like, yep, yeah, that's when he's attacking. Sunday morning with your kids, they're getting stirred up. They're, they're getting into an argument, right? And, and you know, that, that's when it happens. So, so that's, that's not great. And I, by the way, let me just add this. I recognize that there are um, many families today with children that have special needs. And because of that, it does make it exceptionally hard to sometimes get to church and to be in the building. So let's just acknowledge that. So that's legitimate, you know, but that's why we pray for them all the time. You know, as a church, as leaders, right? That's why we're praying all the time. Because you know what? Satan's not going to be like, oh, by all means, seriously, go to church, have your life changed and then go change the world. He will stop you at every single turn. He's going to try to prevent you from doing that, right? So what's my point? Guys, if Satan decides to fight your family, fight back. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fight back. Because if you take it lying down, every time something goes wrong and you're like, oh, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just miss it, just skip it, right? It doesn't take much for him to keep you away. 
And the problem then is your kids are actually learning, right? They're, they're being taught, right? So I, I heard this phrase once, I don't know where I saw it, but don't, don't be upset about the results you got with the work you didn't do. Don't be upset about the results you get with the work you didn't do. So as kids grow up, if you didn't, if you didn't put the work in and they're like, they're turning this way, you know, away, away from Jesus, you're like, how did this happen? Oh, they saw it every Sunday morning. Three out of four. You know? I'm like, when you're passionate about the kingdom of God, honestly, passion looks like something. It does. It looks like something. And it's not rocket science, but let me ask you, how's your prayer life going? How's your prayer life going? How deep is, is that time with God? Do you feel like you're growing closer to God? When you, when you pray for your, your kids, and honestly, I have done this, okay? So we've all, every parent has done this. When they were meant to be in bed half an hour ago, and you're like, yeah, we'll pray, but this is over in two seconds, right? You know, Jesus, look after them, amen. So, so you know, but, but when, you, when you pray with, with kids, if you, if you have them, if your, if your prayer at night time is like every single time, it's like, uh, dear God, thank you for a great day. Thank you for keeping my family safe. We pray we have a great day tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen. Gosh, what are we building? Like, honestly, what are we teaching in that moment? That's the, the depths of our prayer, right? They got to see more than that because they, they're catching it. You're shaping them without even realizing, right? And so this is twofold. This works, even if you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. This works twofold because you still need that prayer life whether you've got kids or not. So it doesn't matter. Like I'm saying, what's going on with your spiritual life? What about the Word? Like, like I'm reading the Bible. What about reading the Scriptures? How's that going for you? One of the things that stood out to me in every single letter is that they just didn't get the Word. They were either twisting it they were not reading it, you know, like they love God, but they have no doctrine, right? Or they're walking away from it. And they don't understand. Like the Word of God is so important. And we have a responsibility, right, to understand this. So we've got something to impart to our friends, our family, the next generation. Heck, just a guide that says, why do you believe? And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, I just sort of go. We've we got to figure this stuff out. It's It's... It's, it's important. What about, what about fasting? You know, guys, did you know that we're fasting this week? Prayer meeting starts tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. It'll finish at 7 a.m. What time do you start work? And could you get to your work if you left from here by 7 a.m.? Could you get to your work on time? Well, if the answer is yes, come on. Come to the prayer meeting, guys. Do you know every major biblical character fasted? How, seriously, how long can you be exposed to this stuff and ignore it? And say, oh, fasting is good, but I think really she needs to do it. He needs to do it, but not me. Do you know why, the, do you know why every biblical character fasted? It's because it works. You know, it'll bring breakthrough in either your circumstances, sometimes in you, you see things you never saw before, works by revelation. You're not bending God to your will, but you are being bent to His will. And, and, and like, we've we got to get involved in, in fasting together as a community, as a church. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., I'd love to, 
see you there. I hope you can. What about serving in the local church? How, how long can you come and, and, and just watch other people serve? Do you know what that is, honestly? It's consumerism. When Christianity is just a product and you come and continue to take, but you don't give of your time, your talents or, the, or your treasure, right? You know what? You're a Christian consumer. And I don't reckon that that is how God intended your life to be. You got gifts, you've got talents, you got abilities, you got spiritual gifts in you. Spirit of God says that we are the temple for His Holy Spirit. He actually manifests His presence in our lives and that's what spiritual gifts are. And you know when it says they're meant to be used for? The common good. So if you've got the gift of healing, you're not supposed to just twist around and go, thank God I've got this. Like Jesus' name. Could have been, I could have been in trouble then, right? It's for the common good, guys. It's for other people. That's why you've got it. To help the world around you. We're meant to be the church. How, how, how's your worship going like? Like when you come into worship God, and like, let's be honest, like worship is a lot of things. But when you come into worship God, does it take you from song one to song three to actually start to get into it? You know? Are you hoping that when you come to worship that you'll be convinced? All right, all right, sounds like, hey, good job over there, you. I'm convinced, let's do it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, all right, three-piece harmony came together. Feels like the Spirit's present. All right. Can I be honest with you guys? I actually don't love every song we've ever done as a church. Like, honestly, there are sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, really? You know. But I have worshipped through every single one of them. Because I wasn't waiting for the song to convince me that God was worth my worship. Do you know when you come to worship, you're actually meant to give something away? Like you're giving Him praise. So why do I need a song to convince me that that's worth it? I was convinced at Calvary. So when I get into church, song one, don't even care what it says, I'm worshipping. I came to say, God, you're amazing and I'm so glad you're in my life. And you know what? To be in song one, you actually do need to get to church on time. Like that does help, right? So, so you know, sometimes I'm like, I, I do think like, gosh, the church has been raptured. And then end of song one, I'm like, oh, looks like we're all good. <laughs> Thank God, because I thought I missed something for a moment and God took everyone else, you know? <laughs> I, I come to give God worship. Hey, let me ask you another question. How long could you go without sharing your faith before it felt like it was getting to be a real problem? Like, and I'm talking about, you know, your Christian mates in small group. Hey, this is what Jesus did in my life, right? But how long could you go without talking about Jesus to a person who doesn't know Jesus before you started to go, oh, that doesn't feel right. How long could you go? Like a week? Some people couldn't go a week. JJ couldn't go five minutes, I reckon, <laughs> right? But then there are, there, there are other people that are like, it's been years and you're totally comfortable with it. Oh no. Like, and, and so what happens, like we, we read the word and the word is going, there's a problem. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. That's, that's, that's the school of Laodicea right there. That's the school of Laodicea. Yeah, but yeah. Someone else will do it. 
the evangelists. No, <laughs> guys, it's called the Great Commission, right? We're all, we're all meant to do it. We're meant to testify, share our faith. That's why you can't be agreeable with everyone because you have to actually stand for something. And that's what it is. What about your discipleship? How, how long have you been a Christian for? And how many people have you discipled in your life? Gosh, I told you, look guys, I promise next week, it's going to be so encouraging, right? So encouraging, right? You're going to love next week, but I have to say this, because if I didn't, I reckon I'm doing a disservice to what Jesus would say to the church. So, how many people have you discipled? Who are you investing into? How long can you go before you see a problem with this kind of life? And, 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 I, and I read this, and I don't, I don't know about you, but like I read this and I'm totally challenged by this. I, I, I am, all right? You know, the church of Laodicea, they were connected. They were social. They had businessmen in there. They had senators in there. They had congressmen in there, but they didn't have passion. They weren't on fire and they had no Jesus. And that's the big shocker right there. You all should have gasped. You should have gasped, right? How can you have a meeting about Jesus and He's not even there? So one of the things you see, preachers done this, even I've done this before, when you're asking people if they want to give their lives to Jesus, and what do we say, Is it, right? He's knocking on the door of your heart. Do you know where that comes from? This letter. Except that's not what that's about. Metaphorically, we could say that that's true. But actually, when you read this letter, it's Jesus on the outside of the church, knocking on the door of the church going, is someone wanna let me in? He's knocking on that, he's pounding on the door. He's outside the church and he's saying, don't you guys see a problem with what's going on right now? Like, you're all in there worshiping. The only problem is you meant to be worshiping me and I'm outside. And he says, and this is how personal it gets because it's not a corporate call. It's a very personal call. He goes, is there anyone in there who would have a meal with me? I'll sit down with you. I will have a friendship. We'll have a relationship. We'll have connection. Is there anyone in there that sees a problem with this? He's pounding on the door of the church, asking every single one of us, right? How can you not have me in your life and feel okay about it? Enough to satisfy the soul, enough to satisfy the conscience, not enough to save your soul. Gosh, it's kind of scary to me. Christianity is not meant to be something that you just add into your life, you know? It's like, it's like when you season a meal, right? Let's make it taste a little bit better. We'll just season this meal. You're meant to be the soul. You're meant to be that thing. It's not just something that you add. It's something that you are. And when you're in, you're all in. You're all in. You're completely in, right? How can you believe this and not have it totally take over your life? How can you believe this and not have it change the decisions that you make with your life? It's, it's astonishing how we could you know, try to walk in two directions, have a foot in two camps. And yet how many people do you know that are living like that right now? And you know what Jesus is really saying to the church, honestly, right? And I'm, this is not me saying it to you. This is Jesus saying to the church of Laodicea, but I reckon it speaks to a, a generation. Don't be lazy. Stop being lazy. Stop limping between two opinions. It's time to be all in. It's time to cross the line. You think, this is, so, this is so serious. Why is God so serious? Well, I'll tell you why. 
because we're meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church is the hope of the world. Jesus is the saviour of the world. We're not anyone's saviour, but we're hope, why? Because the church is God making His appeal through us. How are they to hear unless someone preaches, right? That's why it's hope. We're not the hope, right? We're just connecting people to that hope. We're the hope of the world because we connect them to the Saviour of the world. Do you get what I'm saying? So we're meant to be forcefully advancing the Kingdom of God and seeing people's lives changed and, and transformed, right? And we are absolutely committed to that. In um, autumn, for two months a year, man, we are in. We are really on fire. Two months a year. But I reckon we're actually meant to be doing so much more than that. If, if you believe this message, if you believe that this is true, right? Live like you believe it. Can you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.